0: Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's uh, this morning give the Lord a big uh, clap and, and honor to him. Let's give him a praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. God is so good. Thank you. you know, um, I'm, I'm going to stress one more time how important we realize that this is a ministry of the saints. And what, what I see in Beverly and Emily and those who lead in worship is something that, that I, God hasn't given me the gift for. But I see how the Lord builds his unity and he builds his, his uh, body by the blessing and the gifts that he gives to others so he gives me a gift and and he'll bless you through that gift and he's blessed us through their gift and every one of you have a gift of god every one of you have a special call in a sense and so you may not be here worshiping and you may not be up here preaching but you have a call in god's work and his ministry and it's just as gifted and just as powerful and one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to let the gift of God go, go to the wayside. If God's given you a gift for something. And, I, and the other thing is, is just remember to be praying. Lord, what is, maybe you're like, what is my gift? I'm an introvert. I'm, uh, I'm not a talkative person. I'm not very skilled in the Bible. I don't memorize things well. You know, we can think of all the things we don't have. But I love what Jelana said earlier this morning was that does God talk to us like that? Does he, t- does he remind you of what you don't have? If, if there's anything we know, is God's been faithful throughout the Word of God to remind us not what we have, but what he's given. And that's always sufficient, and there's always more. And so there's a whole lot of people who feel like they're nobodies sitting in the back of the audience, sometimes in the front of the audience, and I just feel like I'm a nobody and I don't have anything to offer. Don't Don't believe that for one second, because God has something that he wants to do in your life and through you. And the truth is, we're all a bunch of nobodies that Jesus is anointed for His task and for His ministry. So just remember that. Just remember that this week. Uh, this morning, my message is one mind, one heart. I also thought about entitling it "Grace for Life." If you want, you can accept that one. Go to First Peter chapter th- uh, three, verses verse eight. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. God is so good. That's good. I got some amen's back there. I'm good to have those. Anybody else want to give them? You're more than welcome. Amen. First Peter chapter 3 verse 8. Make sure I'm there. How's that possible? I got my first scripture and I'm not even I'm not even there. Well, isn't that hilarious i I got it wrong, so I don't know what my scripture was, but it was to be of one heart and one mind. I do know that one so <laughs> um, Where am I looking at? Is it? okay, go ahead and read it for me because I'm not looking at one one of another love as brethren. be pitiful, be courteous. So there you have it so be of one one mind and love one another. Be pitiful and be courteous. Um, Tender-hearted is another part. Pitiful or tender-hearted is another way of looking at that. Tender-hearted, I think that that's a beautiful expression of how we should be toward one another. In our failings. And most of us have been married long enough to know that we've seen the worst side of one another the closer we are toward one another. And yet love... Um, goes beyond the the struggles we see in others. And so we want to remember as the body of Christ, that's the first and foremost, is that our love and compassion goes deeper than your failings and your struggles. Because Jesus loved us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Is there anything bigger than that? And so uh, he went into greater depth than we are to show us how far our love is supposed to go as well. Um, Just a few things as I think about this part, I just want to, think of the church as a whole as not just individuals. And we do have individual. when we talk about a personal relationship with God. And that's key to us being together as one. Because we're focusing on the idea of being one, unified. um, We're going to be thinking about time with John and Sandy and other things we're going to be doing. We're going to be working together. Uh, We're going to be working as one and there's a lot of churches and communities and people as Christians that are struggling to be able to figure out how do we work as one? How do we live as one? And this is more a reminder of the Bible. When we, when we fail in the areas that God's called us to, we're just going to be reminded of what he's called us to and reminded to come back to him. And most of the time, it's usually very simple. It's very simple, but it's still profound. So as I think about working together, time with John, time on my own job, different things in ministry. One thing that I realized is that we need, we need a job. We need to know what that job is. And Jesus spelled out that job for us. He actually spelled out three different jobs for us to do as the church, as the body of Christ, as the saints. And one is in Mark 16, verse 15. And he said, Unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So God wanted us, all of us here present, He wanted us to step out of this community into that community and minister the gospel to everybody around us. They're hurting, they're broken, they're blemished. There's a lot of stains and and problems in people's lives and He wants us to be that. But in order to do that, we have to be healthy ourselves. We have to be close and near to God and living in a way that, that is in union to Christ so that we can minister the gospel, not just in word and message, but in life and example. The other one that he's given us is that we might know. And this is eternal life, that you might know the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom, uh, whom God has sent. And this is John 17, verse 3. And this is important because it's not just our job to go in the world, but it's our job to know God. It's, I mean, And I don't know if I want to call it a job, but it's our privilege. It's our blessing, but it's also something that we're about to be doing. And so there's a lot of people, we're busy about life, we're doing a lot of things, we're on our jobs, we're spending a lot of time on work, but are we busy in in our time with Jesus? Are we close to him and unified to him like we are on our jobs? And I was telling my wife the other day, I thought, you know, what's difficult in this environment is is that we don't spend the time together like we do the eight to five with everybody else out there. And so imagine what it would look like if you and I and all of us had eight to five with one another. Some of us would say, wow, that would be tough. Some of us would say, wow, that would be an amazing blessing because look what we could accomplish if we had the time together. Look what we could accomplish if we weren't so having to do all that other stuff out there and we could do that together. And so some of us feel like we're really individuals and we come together on Sunday because most of us are working our jobs or doing whatever we do on um, Monday through Friday. And we just feel like, well, that I'm kind of alone on. We probably don't have a brother or sister with us. How many of you work on your job and you can have another fellow Christian with you? Okay, so we've got a few out there. Uh, would you say that is that a blessing to you to have a fellow Christian with you? Okay, I got some heads nodding. Absolutely. So we need to know what job we have. The other is to love the body of Christ. And honestly, I feel like this is something we need to be praying continuously about because if there's a warfare going on, There's a warfare against the body of Christ. One of the the deepest warfares is, are we going to live in such a way that we will, whatever your faults are, that I'm going to burden myself with prayer, not find a way to gossip with brothers and sisters and others around me, but really find a place in prayer for you. And when I find fault, I should be coming to a place of prayer because maybe that fault's not as real as I think it is. My judgment may be obscured. But God seems to lighten the heart and give compassion. Even in, And a lot of times offenses come through those things. And we need to love one another through those offenses. And honestly, I don't know a better way. I'm just going to say it just as plainly as I can. I do not know a better way than to be able to pray compassionately, heartfelt for somebody that's weighing in on me. When those situations and you you know, iron sharpening iron, as we say, and there's just that kind of clash to be able to pray for one another, it's awesome, but it's really awesome when the Holy Spirit is ministering to you God's vision for their life. This one woman, she said when her husband, unsaved, unconverted, didn't know Christ, she said when she was praying for him, that she would pray not what she saw, but she would pray what she believed God wanted for him. And when that man got saved, he was radically saved. I mean radically saved, and what a transformation in his life. And you know what? That's, I think, God's heart for us. When you pray, get my heart, get my mind for the person you're praying for, especially for your brothers and sisters. Don't let them fail of the grace of God. Don't let them fail in their marriages. Don't let them fail in their devotion to Him. Don't let them fail in the book called the Bible. Let them know it. Let them live it. Ask them about it. That's why, you know, I asked earlier and I said earlier, when you say, how are you doing? Mean business with each other. Mean business with each other and find out, how are you doing? And you know what? When you're sincere, they'll know you're sincere. I I think the Holy Spirit has a way of just moving on us to love one another in that way. And we feel that way. And we sense, man, you're so sincere, I can't help but tell you all my problems. Hopefully not all of them, but we're getting the problems to know well enough how to pray. And you know what? I've, I've said this, and I'm going to say this to everybody in this place. When you tell somebody what's going on, be specific enough that they know how to pray, but don't be so specific that it leads to gossip. Just make sure that we know what we're praying. So we we have these three jobs, Then along with that, we need to know how to do it. And I think that's so important. The Bible gives us so much instruction. God gives us his word so that if we'd be in that Bible, we would know how to do it. And sometimes it's by prayer, and other times it's out there ministering, and I think this is the biggest thing. My wife and I are doing this. This isn't a pastoral thing. This is the body of Christ thing. But call people and, and, and talk to them and say, hey, I've been thinking about, I've got an opening in my life to pray with somebody wondering if you would like to pray with me. You'd be amazed at what you would be doing that I'm not doing here on Sunday because God's digging in on a deeper level. And I would admonish you and I would say, I cherish that, that you would find a way to do that. That's just one way that the Lord gives it to us. But be inspired out of this Bible. Be inspired to live it. Jesus said we're not hearers of the word only, but doers of the word of God. So you hear it, and then you follow through with it. And then we need those who love it. How many of us have been on the job, and like they, they got the skill, they got the know-how, but they don't have the passion. They don't have the joy and the love for the job that they're on. And what we want is those who are passionate about the kingdom of God, passionate about you, passionate about me, Um, we want to know that there's a love for it, not just an ability to do it. So we want to know how to do it. We want to love it. And there's a big difference from ministry as a job and ministry as a calling. And you know what? I think a lot of us say, well, I don't feel called. You're called because Jesus said, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's called you. Now, whether you're hearing that or recognize that, I don't know. But I'm just saying that he's called us into his work. And he's called us to himself. That's the first thing. We're called to Christ. And then after Christ, we're called into whatever He's called us to do with that. Need those to love each other that work together. The New Testament command in John chapter 13, verse 34, if you'll turn there. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. So you also love, so should you also love one another. In John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So this is the Lord's command for us. It wasn't a suggestion, it wasn't an option, it was a command. And I think that's beautiful. Because the commands are awesome to us as we love Him, and we want to love Him through it. Um, here's a few points I want to think—I want you guys to think about on this—as we suffer along with those we love. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse four, He says, "Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself; is not puffed up." So the first part of that, love suffers long, and we need that because. There's a tendency to mess up. There's a tendency of miscommunication. I didn't intend, uh, you know, the communication. I didn't intend what I said or did or accidentally or inadvertently. And I need you to be able, you need me to be able to suffer along with you. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what a great, great passage in the Bible. Ministry is messy. We need support and accountability from those who love us. Ministry is messy. There's there's no way around it. Is There's a lot of things that we do trying to be able to touch people's lives that we find, you know what, it didn't happen the way I wanted. Or they've got their own agendas or their own plans and ideas. You know what, I think this is one thing is uh, it, sometimes there's a, a service. We offer a service or say, hey, we want help, and nobody shows up. And we can say, well, we could be offended by that. We feel like, hey. Where's the people who are here to help me? And we suffer long because we have to come to the realization of whether somebody showed up or not does not define whether they love or they don't love. And I want to remember that, that I can't look on the surface. And I said this to Julia this morning, and I believe it. It's not a performance-based love. We love you because of you. So if you didn't do anything for me, I love you anyway. That's the love that is the Lord's heart. And I want to continue to express that and call our church to that place because there's going to be times when somebody would have been there but couldn't. Don't define that they didn't show up because they didn't love me. Really, they loved you. They just couldn't show up. And that's oftentimes the case. And you, when you get your life involved in people, you find out that there's more than you have the physical capacity to be able to touch yourself. And so you care about a lot of people. And I know that. I'm especially understanding that now because I have an intense care and love for a lot of people and feel like, oh man, I didn't get my chance. I want to, but I want to pray with them and I can't. I wanted to be able to spend time with them and I didn't. I called and we missed one another. There's all those situations that arise. And I would hate to think that somebody thought that I didn't care because I missed those situations. And that's just the way things happen. But honestly, people, listen to me. This is where we're going today. There's a lot of people who literally feel that way. And so I think the greatest blessing we can be is that uh, present, when we can be present in somebody's life. But I need your support, and I need your accountability. I need to know that you're holding me up, and I also know that you're also standing there and saying, hey, you need to correct this. And I, I want to say that is, This is a hard place to open up. But I want to say, hey, if there's things in this ministry that you're like, I I sense or I feel or I'd like to sense God's direction and I'm not seeing it. Please share that with me kindly, but please share that with me. I want to know how we can develop this in a way for the body of Christ. And you're there. Uh, We need a good leader. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John chapter one, verse six. John was sent from God. We need men that are sent from God. They care more about you than what you do. It's not performance-oriented, just as I said. And those healthy ministry is not about activity, but purity. We can be very active ministries and be very far from what the Lord wants, but pure ministry. So sometimes it's not a lot of work, but it's the things we do, and we do it with purity. And I felt like a long time ago, the Lord had put it on my heart and said, I want you to do a few things well. I don't want a lot of stuff. I want a few things. Because if we're being the body of Christ, each of us have been given a few things to do and to do it well. Not a lot of things. And we hear over and over again the commonality in churches is uh, 20%, 10 to 20% people do the work and the rest of them don't do it. And so the reality is, is it's not bound to this building but the work of the Lord. And so the question is that we have to ask ourselves this question is am I participating in the work of Christ, the way the Lord wanted me to. God, uh, no, Paul says to Timothy, in First Timothy 4, verse 12, let no man despise you for your youth, but set the believers, set for the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. Set an example for the believers. Let us look at each other's life and say there's purity. And there's something about your life and your conduct and your love that I am inspired by and moved toward God because of what I see in your life. But with this, we have to remember we're working with one another with differences. So when it's not just similarities. And I was thinking about this when I was thinking about unity. And if we're talking about unity among the church and the believers of God, are we talking about um, everybody being exactly the same. And it seems like if we're going to have unity, it's hard to be different and be unified. But if you look at the Scriptures, God calls us into unity with differences. Unity with differences. The church is not a team. We are a family. Yes, we're a team in a sense because we work together, but we're a family. And why is this important? It says for this cause in Ephesians verse chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Lord and our Father Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. At the end of the day, you will reconcile relationships with your family. You won't necessarily with a team. I will go to work with guys that I will not necessarily work and reconcile differences with them. But I work with you. We have to do what we got to do together. If you have to work on the other side of the lawn and I work on this side, but it. But when you're my brother, when you're my sister, when you're my family, I want to work out my differences with you. I want to make sure that my relationship at the end of the day is right with you. And I think that's why God says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath when it comes to the church. If we've got struggles, if there's problems going on, if you have an area in somebody that's they've offended you in some way, the Bible actually tells us, go to your brother Go to him and let him know that he's offended you and reconcile with your brother. So I think that that's a very sweet and awesome thing for us to remember. God's calling us to love one another in that way. And I'm going to reconcile that relationships. The other reason is, is our relationships as families, family relationships are not disposable. It's not about whether I like the flavor of the music or I like the the tone of the preacher or I like... All the little intricate little details. Are you my family? And if you're my family, you're, my relationship with you is not disposable. I don't just move from relationship to relationship and let go of those who are my family. And the bloodline of Jesus Christ. So we love one another because we're family. And also because we recognize Christ as our head. At the end of the day, you have to give an account to Him and not to me. And this is so important. In Romans chapter 14, look at verse 10 and verse 12. Go to Romans chapter 14, verses 10 and 12. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now for some of us, this takes the pressure off. Because it's like, man, everybody likes to nitpick. You know what I mean? They like to nitpick all those things from their own preferences. And we're just built with preferences. Like, this is how I prefer it. This is how I prefer it. And honestly, it's strange how we get along with preferences. But when we realize that I'm giving an account to God and I have to stand before Him, it relaxes it in one sense because we realize that no matter what anybody else's judgment is, I'm still going to stand and give an account to Him. But it also takes away the relaxation because a lot of times we sense There's something that God is putting his finger on that nobody sees. Nobody knows about. They don't know the details, but God knows. And as long as that exists, it doesn't matter if I can be the saint in front of everybody else. It matters what God sees. And so in the end, if we just continue to draw near to him and bring ourselves to him, that's the best we can do. And I want to just say, I think it's important that we check our preferences at the cross. Because there's a lot of things that are preferences, and remember that, it's preferences. But when we go to the cross, the cross says, you know, my preferences are menial compared to God's plan. And so I, I crucify my preferences so that the whole plan of God can happen. Now sometimes preferences and convictions are difficult to understand the differences between the two, but I think preferences, are it's, it's American culture to have preferences. I mean we live in a land of preferences. I prefer uh I prefer red meat, I prefer dark meat, I prefer just I, I prefer it cooked, I prefer it black, charcoal. I mean that's the way we are in America, is like there's preferences over everything. And we got menus for people and preferences. And you notice like whether it's the soda pops or it's the candy bars or whatever. They're constantly making them different. They're now changing the flavor. It was like the first flavor was good, at least keep the original. But because there's preferences and people are changing, they're trying to change to the dynamic of the preferences. And church, we don't want to be a church that's changing to the preferences of people. We want that which fits the will of God for our life. So I think a lot of times we're just saying, Lord, I'm surrendering my preference so that I can see the will of God. So a, a third thought here is different is good. Effective ministry requires differences. And we have to look in our Bible, look in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses four and twelve. I think this is an awesome scripture for this. First Corinthians chapter twelve. Four through twelve. So effective ministry requires diverse gifts, unique callings, and particular talents that reach to all parts of our county. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Notice how many times he says there's diversity, there's differences. And uh, But... It is the same God who works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But to one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. I'm going to say that one more time. Distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Notice how, how plain it is. That there are diversities, there's differences in gifts, there's differences in the ministries. And God does that in such a unique way. And the way God does it is to unify us with the beauty and the talents that he gives and distributes to each one. So I get to rejoice and I get to take pleasure in the anointing of your ministry. And you get to have the same thing in my ministry and we receive From one another. And as the Bible talks about every joint supplying. And so we got to think about. What is it that the Lord is supplying through my life? And that's tremendous. So when we were on the project at John and Sandy's. I saw some of us lacking some talent. But doing our best. But what I noticed is, is that God has grace to give us what we don't have. And what I also noticed is we had enough. there was a guy who used to say at one of my old places of employment, he said, enough is a feast. I got the message that all I need is enough. I don't need riches. I don't need lots. I just need enough for each day. And I think, man, it was beautiful because I saw that we had enough people and we had enough help and those that were there at the moment. And the beauty of that was I didn't feel alone. I felt the joy of it. Um, The fellowship of it, that it wasn't just work, but it was fellowship and time together. And there's such a uniqueness to being able to work together. And this scripture came to my mind that the Lord had said to bear one another's burdens. To bear one another's burdens. And my wife and I were talking about the other day about, you know, when we talk about ministry. And one of our obstacles was before I stepped into this place as a pastor, is thinking about how could I give myself more to ministry and loving it and desiring it and wanting to and not being feeling like my time was blocked by just job, just work. And we thought, what if there was a way in this ministry that we could unload some of that burden of time, block, and projects on your shoulders so that you could administer effectively? What if we took your burden and put it on our shoulders in some way to be able to, to help you minister more effectively. And I remember thinking to myself, the reason why, considering Friday as a ministry day, working four tens, and then thinking of Friday off to the side as a ministry day, was so difficult because it was the day that I was supposed to get projects done. And they were just stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And if any of you had had an opportunity to go to my house and look at my other house, that you would know what I was talking about. You'd be like, wow, he has lots of projects. So much so that I felt embarrassed to invite people over in some ways. But we had to do something. And I realized that burden kind of touches all of us in a way. And so I like to think that the church is willing to do whatever it takes to relieve one another to be able to minister effectively. And we're different Husbands and wives, you know this. There's so many differences about us. Remember, how I was talking about we talk in code a lot of times, and knowing the code is all about knowing the difference and learning over time. How many of you have been married for more than 20 years? What an awesome group here. That's amazing. Uh, how many of you have been married for 40 years or more? We got we got some some awesome marriages here, and that's that's amazing. And how many of you can say that over the years that you have, in your spouse, come to appreciate what used to be an aggravation? Can I see any hands there? You have learned to appreciate what used to be aggravations. The longer we're with one another, the more we enjoy ourselves in deep and earnest relationship with one another, we're going to lose the struggle of differences, and we're going to learn to appreciate them. And as a body of Christ, we're learning to appreciate. Man, you guys don't know from this perspective, this venue to be able to look down and see, I appreciate. You know, not just spiritual gifts, but talents that some of you have. There's construction talents. I know somebody who has landscaping talents. There's uh, decorative talents. There's um, food and hospitality talents. There's talents all over this place. And I am so grateful that you guys have a lot of those talents because I don't want to carry them all. I don't want to be that one. And I enjoy the things that you guys give, what you give out of your heart and your time, and it's amazing. So when we have a potluck, to be able to sit down and eat and receive, and and the joy and some of the foods that you guys make are tremendous. But realizing that all of that all together is the same spectrum of coming together and being one in Christ. Now, I love, every now and then I'll catch uh, like an interview with an atheist. You know what I've noticed the most with interviews with atheists? If they ask him the question as an atheist, they say, what is it that the Christian, if if you you can have one of those graceful conversations with him, what does the Christian have that you don't have? Do you know what I've heard most commonly is this? They have a sense of togetherness. They, they come together they're like, they're like a family-oriented, and atheists don't generally feel that way. And I think that's what Jesus was nailing down when he said, they shall know that you are mine by the love you have one for another. God has and is equipping you to reach people that no one else can in your field, in your work, in your talents, where you're at. um, God is equipping you for that. And and just open your heart to him in that way. Pride will hinder progress. This is huge. Because as much as we want uniqueness in these differences, and we want God to unify us, pride, if it gets in the way, is going to uh, tear it down. Um, In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, By pride comes nothing but strife but with the well-advised is wisdom. God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so when we're talking about this as a body of Christ, we have to just be aware of one of the pitfalls is pride. It's just going to get in the way of, I feel like um, it's on one side, everybody's noticing me, or it's on the other side, nobody's noticing me. But somewhere in the middle, usually between those two, is something we call pride. And um, remembering just to give it to the Lord. Oh, brothers and sisters, I just want to pray. Give it to the Lord. He, tar- he takes those burdens and he relieves you of the stress that you carry when you let pride get in the way. Good. Um, the other question that you need to ask yourself, is it good for you, a few, or everyone? You know, a lot of times we want things to change in the church or among the brothers and sisters because it's good for me. And really what we need to look at, is it good for everybody? Um, and if we can, then we want to figure out how do we minister to the good of everybody else. Criticism can be a grace. <laughs> I thought, wow, this is a hard one. But criticism can be a grace to ministry so long as it's really motivated to improve the whole. See, most of our criticism is not really intended to prove anything. Not to help anybody. But really about just Getting uh, that itch that you have and getting it out in the open. But I do know some people who have a criticism, not a critical spirit, but they're critical about things because they see a way to improve it. But with you have that eye and you have the eye for detail, not really criticism, but you have an eye for detail, share it, but share it gracefully share it in such a way as it opens our heart and ministry to move in that way. And I see people, and this is my difference in criticism most of the time, I would say the difference I would put on the critic and the one who has an eye for details is simply that they seem to have a way at nudging you in the side and stabbing you in the, in the side and not helping you go any more momentum forward. And they let you know everything that should change, but they don't do anything to improve it. Or they go home, and I've been that guy at times, And they tell you all the things they didn't like and they'd leave it at that or they just muse about it in their hearts. But the one with an eye for detail to me is the one who's saying, what what do I see and what am I going to do to change it? Or how am I going to help others get there? And you know what? That's a beautiful thing to have in your life. And you know what? I want to I want to embrace you today. Because I know, and I've already seen some of you that way. You're like, Pastor, here's something I'd like to see different. And I'm like, Amen. And you're like, what can I do? Double Amen. That's like, I can't get over that. That's so good. It's almost like people thought, you know, the pastor doesn't have anything more to do with his time, so here's another thing for you. And you know what? Our wives. My wife is tremendous. She's been beautiful and so much and such a support. And she comes behind the scene And some of the pastor's wives out there can say, we don't know how to fit ourselves into the situation. And they can be the everything in the body of Christ. And, you know, you don't get to see all those details. And as I get to see it and I see her heart and what she does, I get to see in our lives things that we attempted to do that didn't turn out. We're like, oh, man, that didn't work. And like, hopefully you guys have grace for us in the midst of that. And what I'm seeing is that the Holy Spirit is working in in tremendous ways behind it. She goes through that, and I love what she's done. She's been a tremendous support to you guys, a tremendous support to me, invaluable. I wouldn't want to do it without her. I wouldn't want to do one thing without her. As a matter of fact, part of the struggle of moving forward in ministry was us needing togetherness in ministry. And I knew, I knew, that I couldn't move forward and I couldn't step one more inch if we didn't have uh, that unified differences, unified for the sake of Christ, to be able to work in ministry together. And so there was things that, man, she had to bring to the table with me and say, honey, this is what's bothering me. And I'm like, ah. And I looked at it as a ministry spoiler rather than the reality was, this is a time, James, for you to mature and rise to the call in your marriage so that you two can be one and work this in ministry. Because we all know that when our, our marriages are indifferent and we're struggling with one another, how hard it is just to, to share the gospel with somebody. And the reason why that is, the reason why it's very simple, because it feels like the background has either hypocrisy or I'm just not doing what I need to do. And I I feel like what the gospel is about is freedom. What Jesus did was about freedom, was wholeness and health and healing. And I'm not feeling like I'm the example of the gospel I want to share. So I need it at practicality and its purity in my life on display so that when I share it verbally, that it actually, the verbal is the expression of its reality that's already taking place inside of me. And so we need that as a commonality among us. So what I want to say is, let's continue to strengthen and bring health to the body of Christ, to each other's life. And sometimes the best way we can do that is when we're healthy, to be strengthening one another more. You know, like you see those guys that are bodybuilding all the time? And what are they doing? They're just lifting weights and they're only gaining more muscle. And what is the importance of gaining more muscle? I mean, just... Is it muscle mass? Is it so that you can attract the audiences? What's the reason for more muscle? If, in our, if we're here to attract people with muscle, we've missed the call of God. But if we realize it's strength, it's the strength behind the muscle. And so we continue to bring more muscle into the church because we realize that muscle means health to us. That's all I'm saying is muscle means health in the church. And so you're vibrant because you have strength and stability and wholeness in your life. And you minister out of that wholeness and out of that strength in Christ. Amen. It started getting quiet. I'm not sure if that's because this was good or if it was because you're like, oh, it's getting long. I'm not sure, but we were just happy to come to that point of closer here. We're going to take communion here in a minute. And again, as I'm closing here, I want to let you guys know I so love you. you. I really, really love you. You know, sometimes we, I, I've gotten focused on trying to just do this, that I forget how wonderful you guys are. From lending us cars, To come into our home and eating in our house, to bringing us over to your home, um, working with John and Sandy. I could just go over and over again how wonderful it has been to be in this church and with these believers. You know, Julia this morning came and she just welcomed me and greeted me just like the Bible said. And she just shared with me how much throughout her week she just felt like every day has been. And, and a desire to come and be a part of what, what we see here. And the worship, the tremendous worship in times the Lord has ministered to me through the times of worship. People getting behind this ministry and doing things. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, you, you realize the hardest thing for a pastor is people who don't do that, but people who are stepping behind this ministry and they have relieved me incredibly. And I cannot give enough praise and thanks for everybody who is stepping in and doing what you are. And I want to say this because I'm not asking for people to devote more time here. Devote time to your families and toward one another. And if you have time, be a part of something here, big or small. It means something to us every way. But I love you guys. It's tremendous. So with that, we're going to go to communion. Um, What I I want to do is what we've done before because everybody is. We're preparing our hearts for communion. It's different for everybody. Some of you need to spend more time before the Lord and just talk with Him or repent or confess things to Him. Some of us are ready right now. You were ready before we started the service, and you're like, can I just take the elements before you even get started singing? And that's fine. But we just want to give opportunity for that, so we'll open it up for you guys to come as you feel ready as you feel prepared, just to prepare your hearts for the Lord. I also just want you to take some time, if you will. I want you to take some time and recognize and realize what the sacrifice Jesus made for you was. Yes, what he did for you. And just go back to the, the first day that Jesus regenerated your soul and gave you new life. And remember how beautiful that was. And go to that day right now as we take that communion and just share that moment and that uh intimate time with God is it's just you and Him. And you can have that time as long as you want it. Whether we're singing up here or we got music going or not, we want you to take that time. If you feel like there's something to settle here at this altar, please do. Please take time to settle it at the altar. This isn't a microwave church. (laughs) As you've realized, it comes at different times. And the reason for that is is because the Holy Spirit wants to minister in special ways to each one of us. And we want you to take time to experience the fullness of God in this community right now. And you know what? One thing that touches my heart is to see the Holy Spirit move on you in his presence and restore and beautify you through the work of God. And sometimes that's through your tears, sometimes through your laughter. Sometimes that's the guy in the back that's shouting amen. But regardless, is that God's doing that something special in you? Amen. So let's uh, turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians I'd like the um, the worship team to come up here in a minute, and after we've gone through this scripture, Beverly, you can come up if you'd like. Um, just actually, both of you can come up at the moment. There's nothing I'm doing that's going to hold you to your seat. I'll say that much. First